Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, you shouldn't rock the boat. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsofLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there you'll see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday afternoon. So if you didn't get to see it and you'd like to watch that, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern today at which time he will be live in that area. On the right side of the page, it's going to look a little different than what I'm showing you on the video platform. So I wasn't telling you, Fib, we are live right now, but we're pre-recording the show. The right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We have a lot of friends over there. And um, our channel over there, if you want to go directly to Rumble, is Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Okay, so be be sure to subscribe to that as well. And then we're also on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Those go out once a day between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And they contain all of the articles we have at sonsoflibertymedia.com, including the morning show archive. So be sure and uh, sign up for that. And then finally, if you agree with our message, you'd like to help keep us out there on the radio, the Internet, and among the people teaching our Christian constitutional heritage, you can click on the donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And we do appreciate you guys very, very much uh, for what you do in keeping us out there. Now, <clears throat> we've got a special guest on today. And before we do that, we're going to be talking about CBDCs. I told you on Monday uh, when we took over the story of uh, Jerome Daly and we continued on from last week about the Federal Reserve, the fiat currency, the unjust weights and measurements, really the lawless money, uh, which you know God condemns in the scriptures over and over and over and over again. He condemns that. Why? Because it takes advantage of the poor. Uh, it takes advantage of, of anybody who's in a system where you're not uh, valuing real money, which in our system of government under our constitution is gold and silver. Uh, and now we've got basically paper money. And we read from the Federal Reserve's modern money mechanics where they say, oh, 
It's just a piece of paper. The only reason it has any value is because you think it has value. Well, our guest today, I'm going to play some. The first time we had G. Edward Griffin on the show, I went back, I think it was 50 years, and we played the communist thing. Well, I'm going to go back not quite that far, uh, but this is something I played on Monday. It's just to refresh your memory as we move into this talk about CBDCs. And this is what he said with regards to why the Federal Reserve should be abolished. Take a listen. This is perhaps at the most fundamental level, the most important thing we need to know about the Federal Reserve System, which is that it is a, an appearance of the fourth kind, something which is not and yet appears to be. When I did my research on this topic, I came to the conclusion, which may startle you folks here, that the Federal Reserve System does not need to be audited. It needs to be abolished. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I'm sure that if they audited the Federal Reserve System, they would find out that it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. There's no secret there. There's no shenanigan going on behind the scenes. It's all out in the open. If we'll just study the Federal Reserve System on the basis of what we know already, if we read their literature, if we'll dig into the history, we find out that it's one of the greatest scams of all history. Out on the surface, it doesn't need an audit. An audit, I'm sure, would merely delay the process for a couple of years, give the American people the false impression that something is being done about this problem, and at the end of two years, they'd say, well, the books are clean. I came to the conclusion that the Federal Reserve needed to be abolished for seven reasons, actually, and I'd like to read them for you now. I've stated them in rather concise terms. Hopefully, they'll have some shock value so you can remember them. And here they are. First of all, it is incapable of accomplishing its stated objectives. Two, it is a cartel operating against the public interest. Three, it is the supreme instrument of usury. Four, it generates our most unfair tax. Five, it encourages war. Six, it destabilizes the economy. And seven, it is an instrument of totalitarianism. Okay, all right, that's Gia Griffin several years ago, and I uh, want to welcome him back to, I don't even think he needs an introduction. Everybody knows who Gia Griffin is, and uh, it's our it's my pleasure to welcome you back to the Sons of Liberty, man. Good to see you. Oh, thank you, Tim. And thank you're coming much. from an undisclosed bunker there somewhere in California, right? <laughs> well, it's not exactly undisclosed, and it's not exactly a bunker. It just happens to be where I spend about half of my time. I call it my retreat. It's out in the, in the hills around central California where there aren't too many people. It's a lot of wildlife here and, and pretty terrain and so forth. Uh, but everybody knows where I am. I've got an address and uh, people can find me when I need repairs and the fire department knows where I am, the police know where I am, so forth. So uh, it's, it's not a bunker exactly, but boy, it's a beautiful place. And uh, just to fill the rest of this out, we've had nothing but rain here for about three weeks now. And uh, I don't know, I think we're up to about 80 inches of them rain in this area and it's washed out all the roads up to my place wow so right now i have no way to get down off a hill and boy am i happy about that because <laughs> I want to stay up here. <laughs> but that means that uh, we're using a satellite to connect to the internet and uh, there's a good chance that we'll 
at least my image and sound may break up a little bit. I apologize for that, but it's beyond my control. That's okay. I, no, I was just teasing about the bunker issue. Uh, I, I knew that wasn't what it was, but uh, I was just teasing about that. Well, look, I, I, you know, the first time we had you on, we've had you on several times. I think the last time we talked about cancer, your, your book on cancer and things. But the first time we had you on, we talked about communism. We went back, way back to where the video was in black and white. And, you know, I often wonder, are you, did you had a birthday? You've already, no, you have your birthday this year in November. Is that right? Every year. Every yeah. year, every year. And you'll be how old? 91? Is that right? For the next birthday? Yes. I'll be 92. 92. Okay. So here, I always get, always get a kick out of asking those who are older than I am. And I, I believe to be wise, you know, the Bible says that we honor the hoary head. And um, I'm always curious when I played that first video for you, you know, where you talked about communism 50 years ago. Does that seem like it was last month? And when I played this one, I don't know when this one is from the 80s or somewhere around in there. Uh, does it feel like the time has just blown by you with all of this information that we're going to be talking about here? Yes, it does. Um, I think that's a common experience for people at all ages. Mm. I remember even when I reached the ripe old age of uh, 21, I thought, <laughs> boy, this seemed like a few days ago I was 12, you know? And uh, I remembered having a lot of fun playing games, at, you know, 12-year-old games. Where did, the, where did the time go? So I guess it's it's just a sort of a fact of life that, that life goes faster than we want it to. Yeah, well, the Bible tells us it's like a vapor, right? It's it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's like the grass that comes out. It's nice and green in the in the morning, and then in the afternoon, it's burnt up. So let's get on with yeah. let's get on with what we're doing because what you said here about communism fifty years ago still applies today. <laughs> what you were saying about the Federal Reserve and the seven reasons it should be abolished still applies today. In fact, maybe now so more than anything when we're seeing what they're projecting to do. So. Would you mind if we just back up, let's start with the Federal Reserve, and can you give people a synopsis of what it is? Because in this little short clip that we played, you said it's doing what it's intended, but then you go and you say it can never achieve the goals for which it's set for itself. Can you kind of give people just a little synopsis of what the Federal Reserve is and what it's supposed to be doing, but what it's actually doing? Sure, that's really easier to do than you might think. If you remember from that clip you just played, I ended the whole thing by saying uh, the Federal Reserve is a scam. And that's the answer to the whole question. The reason it can't do the things it's supposed to do is because it's really not supposed to do those things. It says it's supposed to you know, protect the economy and the purchasing power of the American people and stabilize the, uh, the, the monetary system and the pricing structure and so forth. It's, it has all these wonderful objectives that it says it's supposed to do. But the key to understanding why it fails to do any of these things is because that's really not what it's supposed to do. And the reason you can be certain of that is by looking at its report card. It's been in existence now for a long, long time. And it has always failed to do any of the things that it said it was supposed to do. So that means it's either supremely incompetent or it's supremely competent. And I came to the conclusion that it's supremely competent to do what it really is supposed to do. The only problem is that the average person like us 
We don't know what it's really supposed to do. And it's impossible to know until you come to the realization that the Federal Reserve System is not an agency of the federal government. It's a cartel. It's a group of banks, private banks, that have formed into what they used to call it back in the days when they were doing this, in 1910, when they were putting all this together, 1913, when it was passed into law, uh, they called it an association of banks, which is not a bad definition. It's a very soft and gentle definition, but it's pretty much that's what it is, an association of banks. Cartels are associations of uh, business enterprises. Um, the mafia is an association of crooks and so forth. The association is a perfectly good word, but it's very bland and very gentle. And uh, so they get they got by with it. But when we understand that it's a cartel, it's no different than a bank, uh, no different than an oil cartel or a banana cartel. It just happens to be a banking cartel. So now if you say, OK, I get it. What does a cartel do? What is a cartel supposed to do? What do the members of the cartel expect it to do? The answer is very clear, to advance the interests of the members of the cartel, period. Not to protect America, not to protect the economy, not to avoid inflation, none of those things. It's to advance the interests of the members of the cartel. Now, you might say that if the members of the cartel had some enlightened self-interest, they would see that they need to protect America, too, because if America falls, so, so will the cartel. And that is true, but we can't always depend on these people having enlightened self-interest because they look at, I think they look at the, the time scale in a very long term. They think in term, terms of it as being decades and maybe even centuries uh, and, and certainly generational, intergenerational. They don't expect to see things necessarily in their lifetime. They have this long view of history that, you know, when they created the, the cartel back in 1913, which passed into law in, the, in that year, they probably didn't expect to see what we see today. The guys that did that didn't expect to see what we have today. But they had this idea, well, we've set it in motion because uh, we think it's the right thing to do. And besides, it's very profitable in the meantime. So they don't necessarily have this long view of history, but they do set in motion things that do have a long term to work out. So, um, so they, they tend to ignore the consequences in the long term because they know they're not going to be around. What they know that what they're putting together, by the time it comes to pay the consequences of the, of the things they've created, they won't be there. Somebody else will have to deal with it. You get my gist. So anyway, that's the, the, I thought it would be the short answer, a little bit longer than I had expected. <laughs> but the simplified version of the answer to your question is <clears throat> that people have a great deal of difficulty trying to figure out the Federal Reserve System because they're trying to figure it out. They're saying to them, themselves, like I did in the beginning, I used to say to myself, but this doesn't make sense. I mean, don't they see that this can't work? This will, this will self-destruct. This will have the exact opposite effect that they're talking about. Are they so stupid they can't see it? I should send them a letter. I'll send a letter to the president. Explain it to them, you know? A little, you know, I was naive. A little did I know that. They all knew that. Yeah. They knew yeah. They didn't give a damn. Sure. You know? they, were, they were on the road. They were making money and gaining power and prestige. 
What do they care about whether it works or not? It works for them. It works for the cartel. It may not work for, for America. But anyway, once you understand, we'll come back to that simple phrase. You can summarize the whole thing in three words. It's a scam. Once you internalize that and realize that that really is the truth, that everything else falls into place, and it's easy to understand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. In fact, I got a comment this morning, um, and this is Monday that we're recording this, but I got a comment this morning on the show I did this morning about Jerome Daly, and you and I were discussing that before the show. And one guy said, oh, well, all this was overturned because of blah, 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 blah. And I go, yeah, it was overturned because they had exposed what the system was, which is there is no money and it's all ledger writing and then keeping people enslaved in that lawless money system. And uh, now what we're seeing, though, is it's going from just a lawless money system to the last thing that you said of why it should be abolished, which is the introduction of totalitarianism, because I'm understanding they're putting they're wanting to put the first phase of the central bank digital currencies, the CBDCs, as they refer to them. They're wanting to start putting that first phase in here. Uh, where is it uh, in June or July of this year? So some people are probably going, OK, well, this is all digital or this is going to be a cashless society. And the fact of the matter is, is we we really are working in sort of a cashless society now every time you use a debit card, every time you use a credit card, check any of that. It's that's being done with with digital with digits. It's not being done with any piece of paper at all. And again, even the paper is said to be sort of worthless. So what is this thing they've come up with with central bank digital currencies? Enlighten us on how that's a step in that direction as well. Well, you, you can get very complicated on this, but the simple, I always try to think in terms of the simplified concept to understand it. And in this case, I think there is one. You were right, uh, Tim, when you said that uh, we're in a cashless society now to a large extent. But the active phrase there is to a large extent, not to a totality, but to a large extent. I mean, most people go through their entire week or their month without ever using cash, they use their credit cards. That means they are using digital money. Their money is in the digital form. But if they want to use cash, they can. And that's a big difference. As long as the stores and, and the shops and the, and the airlines and the gasoline companies will expect, they will accept your check, or you can, in most cases, go to their store window somewhere and give them paper money, they'll accept it. In most cases, they're getting away from that now because they don't want that. They don't want you to have an alternative to the cashless part. They don't want you to have an alternative to the digital currency. They want you to have to use a credit card, for example, for everything, even to buy a, a stick of gum. Uh, they don't want you to be able to escape using the digital currency that they control. Because if you have no place else to go, they've got you. If you're not a good boy or girl and you start objecting to some of the political decisions and policies of our rulers, and you start making waves and calling for reform, or at least pointing out that it's a scam, 
you do things like that, they aren't going to like you very much. And now they've got control over you because they can digitally turn off your ability to buy and sell because you won't have access to the digital currency. And you don't, it's not paper anymore even. You can't have it in your mattress. You can't have it in a coffee can buried in the backyard. You just, you, you can't even say, I'm a beggar now and go out and sit on the sidewalk with a tin cup asking for people to give you donations because they have nothing to put into the tin cup. When you remove all alternative means of a medium of exchange, which is money, and you have to depend on one particular digital, invisible, electronic system of fund transfer, money transfer, they've got you. They've got you by the throat. They can tighten it just like that, and you can't breathe. You can't buy, you can't sell, you can't buy groceries, you can't buy gasoline, you can't buy a car, you can't have clothes, you can't have health care. You can't have dental care. You, you can't do anything. You can't even sit on, the, sit on the sidewalk with a tin cup. They've got you. And once you understand that this is the game that they're playing now, it's no longer just wealth. Now, they can control you to a large extent if they have great wealth and you need their money to live and so forth. But you can still escape if you're strong enough and you got the vision and so forth. But once you don't have an escape, once there are no exit doors except you're stuck in this paradigm, they've got you and you can't breathe without them. Once you get that in your mind, you realize the severity of what's going on right before our very eyes. And most people are very sublimely, not even not even much interested in it. But the extent of their interest is, like, gee, I wonder how that's all going to turn out. That might be interesting. They don't get it. And once they get it, well, let's hope they get it real fast because of the, if we don't get it and turn it around real fast, then they've got you. Yeah, yeah they, they pretty much are going to keep you a slave. And then that's where some of these things like what we're seeing coming out of China. I think Google was also writing some of the programming for that, for these social credit scores. Like you said, if, you, if you're not going to stay in line, if you're going to be at the center, you're in trouble. But all of this sounds reminiscent uh, of what I draw the application from, from Revelation 13. Uh, for instance, it says, and he had power to give, this is the second beast that's spoken of here. He had power to give life into the image of the beast. The image of the beast should both speak and calls that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. We talked about that this morning, drawing from Deuteronomy chapter six, where we hold to the commands of God. They're to bind, we're to bind them on our hands. We're to wear them as frontlets between our eyes or on our forehead. And so he draws from that and he says, and that no man might buy or sell what you just said, save he that had the mark of the name of the beast and the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and six. So, you know, we, I think this has always happened through different times in human history where you get tyrannical governments that will put their people into, to try to control them into such situations where they have to do this, that, or wear a star or put a phylactery on or whatever the case may be so they can buy and sell. And they give their allegiance to the state rather than to the creator. And uh, so with that said, I think you make it real simple in saying this is, this is to control you. It is to lock you in. If you weren't already locked in before through your own naivete and your ignorance, they're really going to lock you in 
And then you're pretty much left out. You're going to end up having to grow your own food. You're going to end up having to build your own house. You're going to have to do without electricity, running, all these, all these kinds of things. It's going to put a lot of people in a precarious situation. And I can just see them because one of the things I want to ask you is, what is the, what is the difference between a CBDC and say what we're seeing now with quote unquote cryptocurrency. What are the differences there? Are they both leading to the same place? Are they opposed to one another or, or what's going on there? Well, that's a good question. They're not, they're, they're obviously a lot of similarities. They're both, uh, I think the word cryptocurrency is a, is a bad word because the word crypto part of it, that means it's secret. Well, there's nothing very secret about blockchain. Every, every transaction that's ever been made, including ability to trace it back to its uh, maker, the ability to do that is, is hidden in there. It's out in the open. It, it, there are no secrets in uh, most of the currencies, the digital currencies that are we're talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and all those things. They're not really cryptocurrencies at all. They're just digital currencies. So there's not much difference between a digital currency and the C, the central bank digital currencies, except that uh, the privately uh, issued digital currencies will be valid only among certain subgroups in society that are willing to accept them. And uh, that will not include hardly any of the large effect let's say it won't include any of the large corporations because they're part of the system now that's taken a long time for them to intertwine and and tie all of these corporations and government agencies and institutions together it's taken several several generations to do that but they pretty well have done it now you, because of the interlocking of the financial system most corporations can't survive without credit credit comes from the banks, and oh, wait a minute, the banks really, they're at the head of all of this. So without realizing it, when you when you finally get your credit and you've got your your uh, ability to compete at a corporate level because you've got access to uh, investment money and so forth, that at the same time puts you into the hands of the beast, so to speak. So anyway, the, my point is that most of what we we do in our life at one point or another involves the chain, economic chain, where the corporations are strided. And uh, you mentioned you know, growing your own food. Well, yeah, that's how you're going to get down to the road to your neighbor, though, to talk to him when you don't have gas or you don't have a car and you can't afford to have it fixed. You know, There are certain things you can do on a local level, like you can swap uh, your tomatoes for... So your neighbor's chicken eggs and so forth at a very primitive level. But believe me, when you start thinking about even planting your own food, you've got to have tools to plant it. You've got to, um, you've got to have clothes to wear. You've got to have shoes that, uh, that have worn out. Well, maybe somebody down the road can make you shoes and so forth. But if it's, you can theorize about how you can form into little groups and survive. But it's mostly theory because I think um, that would put us back practically to the practically to the ice age or the stone age, where uh, most most people ninety nine point nine 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 percent would perish 
very quickly because they wouldn't be able to do it. They could do parts of it, but it sure. has to be, uh, you, you can't, we'd have to be wearing bear skins. We'd have to be able to, to kill a bear and make our own clothes out of skins and, and thongs for our, for our shoes out of uh, leather that's from some animal we've killed and skinned. How many people do you know? Well, I mean, there are some hunters, of course, but even the hunters aren't ready to take the hides of the deer and so forth and get it turned into clothes and, uh, oh, my gosh, and how do you fix the food? And, and uh, what are you going to use for a pot? And uh, all these things. It, gets, gets, it has to be, it, it's sort of a fantasy land, I think, for many of us to say, well, we'll just get off the grid or something and we'll be fine. No, we won't be fine because our society is so intertwined uh, with these large corporations. Um, I guess uh, the best way I should wrap this part of the conversation up, because it usually comes to the question, well, if that won't work, well, what do we do? What will work? And uh, I, by the way, I don't mean to be pessimistic. I'm not trying to throw uh, you know, water on anybody's fire. Sure. But uh, I, I don't think it's very realistic. So the question comes, well, if that won't work, what will? And I'm reminded of that wonderful documentary done by the BBC a little while back on the life of uh, George Orwell. And uh, <clears throat> it was a, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. In fact, if I were asked to rate documentaries, this one would probably be number one probably be number one, both from production style and and um, historical accuracy and the acting and the whole thing. The reason I'm mentioning it because it's the story of George Orwell, of course, who, as everybody knows, is the author of such groundbreaking works as uh, 1984, for example, and Animal Farm and things like that. And um, Orwell contracted uh, tuberculosis in his life, uh, midlife, and that's probably what killed him and so at the end of this documentary, we have this marvelous actor. I wish I could remember his name, British actor, who was playing the role of Orwell so convincingly. And so here he was on his deathbed. He's in the room, propped up, and there's a newspaper reporter there interviewing him. And um, she said, did a very good job, too, very convincing. She said, well, Mr. Orwell, your books and your writings are so so pessimistic, so grim. They're horrible to even think about what life could be like. What what can be done? And Orwell coughed and spit a little bit, he, gasping for breath, and he looks at her in the eye. He says, the only thing is this. And then he paused dramatically and he says, don't let it happen mm. Mm. and that that was like a bullet right through my brain because that's it we're thinking well well we can always recover somehow so we'll push back it's the story of history this first it's up and then it's down then it's left and then it's right and then it's good and then it's bad it's always going to be that way it's kind of a it's kind of a simplistic view of the world and in many ways, it's true, of course, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be true in all cases, and certainly not going to be true, in my view at least, in this case. So the idea is, well, if that happens, then what do we do? And he's telling us very bluntly, 
if that happens, if that happens, we're through. There's no escape. How do you escape a system like that? You need power. It would take, um, well, if I were a script writer and wanted to do a, a dramatic movie on it, I would I would have a revolt of the, of the um, palace guard or something like that. But it would have to come from inside the system. It would have to come from the children of the rulers who suddenly uh, found the truth and the light and rebelled against their own parentage and against their own system at a great cost and treasure and blood. They would overthrow their own heritage, their own parents and grandparents, because this is a lineage thing, you know. So you could make a story out of it. I don't know how realistic it would be, but theoretically, I think that's all that would remain. It'd have to be some kind of a revolt of the lieutenants. And um, that, I'm not sure, has ever happened in history on a grand scale. Yeah. So so that brings back us to the sobering point that we're living in a time right now where it hasn't happened yet, but it's getting closer and closer and closer. And my golly, anybody listening to our discussion right now who understands what we're talking about, I've got a message for you, and that is whatever you're going to do to fight back and prevent this from happening, you better get humping on it right now. Right now. I mean, right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great warning. I I know that uh, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about is is what you were saying there. And I know some people have done it. I know they went off grid. I know they have to live like they're in the 17, 1800s. I don't think it's necessarily back to the Stone Age. There were a lot of people, you know, that were doing these things. But but they the thing, the difference there is they learned to do a lot of that stuff as they were growing up. So it was sort of second nature to them. It's kind of like you or I, if you write something, you know, you write a book or you do a video or you do conference, you, you, that's what you do. So you're familiar with that. If you, uh, like my boys, you make industrial fans and things like that. You've learned to do that. You can, you can cultivate that and do that kind of stuff. But if you've never done that stuff before and all of a sudden you're thrown into that, yeah, you're in danger of just losing your life because you're probably going to be a big failure in it because you don't know how to do it. Um, so I think there's a place, I think it's a good thing if we learn some of those kind of survival skills and guard all that, that's, that's, uh, that will put us ahead of somebody else. But I think of Huxley, for instance, in his Brave New World. And one of the things he does, he's got all the, you know, modern conveniences and you can have sex with whoever you want. And we've got the Soma to make you feel good about it and everything. You don't have to worry about relationships or any of this stuff, but then you have the savages who are living like the other and they seem like they're much happier. And there's people who want to leave all this, you know, utopia and go live there. And that's fine too. But when we come to this, you're, you're exactly right. This will lock people out to where even bartering sometimes won't even make sense to people. Cause they're like, well, why do I need to borrow with you? I've got UBCs here. Um, not UBCs, UBIs that are coming in every month. I don't need your money. I don't need your stuff. And if they want to cut you off, they can cut you off too. And that can be manipulated as well. So with that said, what is your perspective on how close they are in even getting this off the ground? Because this is this is going to take a ton of uh, computer power, computing power. I think this is why they're doing these, what they call the quantum computers, while they're pushing out these new uh, technologies and transmission of data. 
how close are they to pulling this off? If they wanted to say, I'm, and I can't believe that they would just go, okay, no more cash today. It's going to be this. It seems to me this is a, this is going to have to be a progressive thing. How do you see that playing out? Well, Tim, I think your last statement is right on. It, it has to be a progressive thing. It's got to be trial and error because nothing like this has ever been done before. But we see the technology for it rapidly advancing uh, with all these these new chat uh, pieces of software where you, you can talk to a machine and it sounds more intelligent than uh, uh, than your spouse. Yep, I've <laughs> seen that too. Oh, it's almost scary. <laughs> it's very scary. But all of that probably will play into the solution. And it's under development, but it's moving very fast. The question is, how close? I don't know. I really don't know. But I think the secret is that we might already be there, but it's just a question of refinement. Um, I mean, already there are places that won't ex accept cash, not many of them, but they're working hard on that. And um, if they decide to pull the plug on it and, uh, and say, okay, you've got to, you know, you cannot use cash. I'm going to just call it all in and give you maybe 90 days to spend it. And after 90 days, it'll be worthless. We won't honor it anymore. That'll be uh, the day because everybody thinks that, ah, I'm safe. I've got all my, my $100 bills all stacked up and wrapped up in tinfoil and in a box that's so it's fireproof. I'm, I've got my money you know, out of the banks. And then you wake up and the newspaper in the morning says, oh, by the way, you've got five more days to spend that money. Uh, and then after that, it's illegal. And it'll only be useful in the black market. And if we catch you using it in the black market, you have to go to prison, you know. So let's think it through. Uh, it's close, but it will have to evolve, I think, Tim, as you said. And, and uh, we're already in that evolutionary stage right now. And uh, right now, I think we're in a stage where people are being conditioned to think that it's going to happen and to think that it's inevitable so that when it happens, there'll be no or less opposition to it. They'll say, well, it's just inevitable. It's got to happen. We've been told about it for a long time, and now here it is. That's kind of the kind of one of the things that makes me a little bit nervous about the, the story of the beast is because um, we've been told that it's going to happen, right? It's, it's right in the, in the holy book. And, right. uh, and so, therefore, why fight it? It's going to happen, man. In fact, it's God's will. It's there. It's written. No, no, no. No, that's not the, that's not the reaction. It may go, be going to happen. I don't know. But the question is when, your question. I know ever since I was a boy, and that's a long time ago, uh, there were my elders and everybody around me was expecting the end times like tomorrow. And I've lear and learned since then, when I've studied a little bit of history, that the end times have been predicted for centuries. Yes, like tomorrow. that's right. So we don't know when tomorrow is or when that day is. It may be so far into the future that it's, almost like eternity. Maybe it's a warning rather than, a, than an event. I don't know. But I get nervous because I do see people who should be working their fool heads off fighting this evil thing, but they're quite uh, passive because they say, well, it's God's will. And, ah, oh, I just want to explode when I hear that. Oh, yeah. that, means, 
that means that the devil the devil has won well that isn't that what it is and and at the sons of liberty we don't think like that i'm asking you know for your perspective as to how you've seen the technology grow and things of this nature and the things you've read as to how close you're seeing it uh, but for me, I, I'm of the same opinion. Now, most people know on this show, when I look to Revelation, I see it largely occurring in the first century and how that took place in Jerusalem. In other words, this is the close of the old covenant. It is God fulfilling the curses that he was going to bring on Israel in utterly destroying them. Deuteronomy 28, that's what he said he would do if they didn't obey his commands. And uh, so I, I see it that way. I draw this application out of out of a revelation because even the great writer um, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress and there, he said, this beast comes up from time to time and it, you know, it's tyrannical and all this, and it seeks to persecute the people of God and all this kind of stuff. And that's happened throughout history. We've seen that kind of stuff. So I, I'm very optimistic. Uh, I do not believe that though uh, Satan may have his children still out there. I, I believe he's a defeated foe. And as a result of that, I go forward knowing that my king is alive. He's sitting on his holy hill in Zion, and he has said all authority is his on hev in heaven and on earth. And therefore, he says we're to go make disciples. And what are those disciples? Teaching them all things he commanded. And I went through the passive scripture this morning about unjust weights and measures, which really gets to the heart of what we're talking about here, because that's what the Federal Reserve System is. So with that said, let's look at some optimistic things. We got about 13 minutes here. What are some practical things people can do to push back against what the beast system wants to push on us? What are some practical things we can do? I know we can educate by shows like this, interviews like this, books uh, that people write. But what are some practical? That's the education part. What are some practical things people can engage in to fight back against this? Yeah, Tom, the education is, I mean, Tim, the educational part is very important because otherwise, people won't know that they have to push back. And if they know that they have to push back, they may not know how to push back or what, where to push back because they don't understand what's happening so they could step right into the trap and make things worse. The education is important, but then, then once you got that all figured out and you understand you know, the fine points of who, who is the enemy and you learn about controlled opposition and propaganda and how they like to pit one little group against the others so divide and conquer and all of these things which are strategies you have to you have to master and understand otherwise you will fall victim to them then how do you then how do you respond well it's pretty easy to see some some steps first of all you start using cash you, you, you buy everything you possibly can with cash let's go back rewind the clock get the merchants so dependent upon cash that they're, they'll scream and against any move to eliminate cash because they say, half of my business or most of my business is in cash. What are you trying to do? And they get some opposition. We've got to get cash moving again, make a demand for, for real paper money. Even though it's, it's worthless, at least it's in our pockets. We can put it in somebody's tin cup. We can put it in a mattress. And so that's the difference, you see. It's, at least it's, it's ours. It's in our possession, whereas with the with the digital currencies of the banks. Yeah, and that's something that Catherine Austin Fitz had started with, a, uh, like a yeah. Cash Friday, and I think she moved it up to some other days as well. As far as I'm concerned, it's, it should be seven days a week. Now, am I doing that? Once in a while, yes, and I have to keep kicking myself on the britches because I should be doing more of that. 
And uh, so that's, that's an obvious thing to do. But that alone, of course, is not enough. I think getting groups of people together uh, and organized into little modules of uh, resistance and so forth, not for guerrilla warfare or something like that, and, and not necessarily so much even for growing your own food and, and getting off the grid and all that sort of thing, which is kind of like a retreat, like you get away from it all. Go, go get off the grid, get out, get out of where the action is, get, get free of politics. That's where the action is. We'll get out in the country and nobody knows we're out there and we just sort of hide. And of course, then you can't win hiding. You've got to be in the battle. We've got to you know, put on the armor and we've got to do battle with the enemy. You can't do that by running away and hiding behind a tree. So we have to get all those things straight in our minds. And then how do you do that? And of course, that leads directly to a, a project that I have been working on for the last, um, I guess, uh, let's say about, uh, yeah, about 20 years, about 20 years. And I, it started off as a concept called uh, Freedom Force International and has grown beyond that. So Freedom Force International is the center of this concept I'm talking about. But we've put around it some outer rings of influence uh, using um, the same techniques that our opponents use. They have what they call rings within rings of influence. And so uh, that's a whole story in itself. I'm tempted to jump into it. But you said we had 13. And I've already <laughs> used up 12, so I better... <laughs> no, no, you, we got about nine minutes still. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, anyway, the idea is that then we created the, this ring called the Red Pill Ring, Red Pill Project. Wanted to popularize some of these heavier topics that we're talking about. The main topic we haven't even discussed here is the core issue in this battle, in addition to spirituality, being on the side of truth and righteousness, is this concept of collectivism versus individualism. If people don't understand that, they lose. They, they'll still say, but we got to take care of the poor by having the government do it, you know. So we, we wanted to popularize some of these deeper concepts. So we created the Red Pill Project. We have the Red Pill Expo, which we have been doing two of those a year now. We have Red Pill University, where we have all this information that's being indexed and made easily available to the average person. Well, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'm putting a lot of time on that. And now the final step in this process is to create campuses of Red Pill University. We want at least one campus in every county in the U.S. And these would be the groups that you, you and I are talking about. But they'll be not just to go get off the grid and survive. These are activist groups. These are the counterpart to what our enemy has. You know, they've got all kinds of groups out there, like Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all that. What do we got? Well, we got a study group, you know, or something. Or we got a group that teaches us how to grow tomatoes in our backyard or a tea party no, no. protest and that's about the yeah. extent of it yeah 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 we've got to have strategies recapturing control of the system at the local level in the counties so my answer is because i know we nine minutes is down to about seven now is that if anybody is really interested in this concept that i hope everybody will be because in my humble view it is our last chance we got to give it everything we got. They should come to redpilluniversity.org is the site that you just saw a moment ago and read up on what we have in mind, especially on the idea of campuses, Red Pill University campuses in every community. These are the 
movers and shakers that want to not only survive, but they want to they want to create a new system. They want to make freedom again uh, a, a thing that people understand and want and will fight for. So, if you want to become part of this movement, I would say let's start with redpilluniversity.org and spend a prepare to spend maybe a half a day reading, exploring, thumbing around, going, jumping around. It's worth a half a day, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's very educational. It's very educational when you guys are going to have another Red Pill Expo, our own Kate Shimrani. You, you got, she told me she's got her ticket. Uh, she's going yeah. to be coming over. Uh, I don't know. She said, if I come over there, I'm getting a cab. I'm going to be in my best dress and I'm coming to your house. I'm going to come see you. I said, okay. Uh, so she's really yeah. excited about that. Very humbled that you would, uh, you would ask her over. And she's been at the forefront over there in the UK, been maligned, yeah. thrown in jail, fined, yeah. all this. Yeah. And uh, well, she's, she's a warrior. All right. Truth warrior. Amen. And she's, yeah. She'll be at the Red Pill Expo and along with a lot of others. I mean, I, I haven't announced them yet, but we've got a, one heck of a lineup. But that's just the beginnings. The information is one thing. Now we got to get organized. we got to do something with that information. Oh, we, we've got the information. Thank God we, we're there. Our minds are open. We've been exposed to the right sources. Now we got it. What do we do about it? We've got to take back our sheriff. We've got to take back our county council. got to take back the city council. got to get the mayor. You know, the, the education system locally, you got to get board that. Of directors, yeah, board of education. All of these things at the local level were the foundation of a movement. Everybody wants to go to the front. Who are you going to vote for for president? Oh, come on. Well, you're not going to. Yeah, get, just get that out of your mind about D.C. and start focusing locally with men with character. Men with character. That's where movements begin always. And once you get that, the rest will take care of it. Not all automatically by itself but at least it'll be possible. If you don't have the foundation in place, you can't build on top of nothing. The sand will just, whatever edifice you thought you might have to solve the problems at the national or international level, they will crumble because they don't have a solid foundation. Amen. So those are the things. Come to redpilluniversity.org and let's explore those ideas and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think one of the things that you say, and I look, I'm 54 and I think of that too. I can gain knowledge, and knowledge, the Bible says, just puffs up if it's by itself. It, it makes us proud. We, we know stuff, and we want to tell everybody how much we know. But we should be asking, Lord, give us wisdom. And the Bible says, if there's something that God is liberal about, it is about giving wisdom to those who ask in faith, and he will give it. And that's the ability to take that knowledge and to know what to do with it, like what you're talking about there. And I have said over and over, I'm willing if somebody will teach me the things I need to know, I'm willing to take it and use it if they can point me in the right direction of how to use it, how to use it. And I think that's where most people who get into this get stuck. They think it's just having the knowledge and it's not. It's having the wisdom to wield that knowledge to get and do what you're wanting to do. And as you said, Jesus used that type of uh, scenario too. He talked about a man who built his house on the sand and one who built it on the rock. And then when all the... The rains and the floods came, the one on the sand disappeared. It's gone. But the one on the rock stood. And I think that's what you're getting at when you're saying we got to lay our foundations down there. We got about three minutes here. And I want to give you the final word. And if you will uh, exhort the audience very similarly to what you did there uh, in those three minutes and then point to uh, your website where people can can go and check this out again. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Three more minutes. So I'll try and make this worthwhile. I mentioned a moment ago 
that we're in a yeah we're in a spiritual battle no question we always have been but we're in one heck of a of a political battle right now too an economic battle and we can't ignore those fronts either especially when i personally believe as i think you might too that when when divine intervention comes it won't be a bolt of lightning from the sky taking care of wiping out our enemies it'll be the bolt of lightning that comes from inside us out and we become activated we become like lightning rods yep. or lightning strikes and we will carry out the will it would be through us there's kind of a new um, a new slogan out there i like it a lot it says we are the ones we've been waiting for to come and save us and um it says it all we've been waiting for it. who's going to do this what are they going to do what are we going to do okay let's get moving let's quit talking about it let's form let's get into a little um campus of red pill university let's get uh, 20 other people together in our community it can be done easily 15 we start by the way we start with a campus with three people and it works i've i've seen it work in fact i did i've done it right here where i am now and it's uh, it's amazing how how successful it is when you know what the strategy is campuses do not have to be big because you can attract a lot of support from people from people who will want to help you on particular projects yep well i don't care whether the project is covid masks in schools or vaccines or water rights or or whatever have you you name it if, if you keep it local you you'll have lots of people who will come and follow your direction if you have a good plan so um so I guess my, my message at the end is let's take this action, let's take this knowledge and put it into action, and we must start at the local level. We must bring together small groups of people of like mind who not only understand but have the, the will and the resolution, the dedication to do something about it. That means make some sacrifices of time. It's not only money. Everybody's, you know, we all, everybody wants our money, right? We don't have enough to go around, but we have time. We don't have enough of that to go around either. But we have to allocate it. And believe me, ladies and gentlemen, this battle we're talking about puts what I'm talking about at the very highest priority. And there are a lot of things that we might have to put aside so we can have the time and other resources to fight this battle. Just making that decision. Come together. Bring Start with three people. Then you can easily grow to 10. And by the, but by the time you get to 15, we'll hard-working people in a community you own the community because mm. at 15 will attract 50 yep and they're not necessarily with you all the way on everything but they're there you say we got something coming up at the city council thursday yep. can you be there oh yeah i'll be there you can mobilize people who understand not just you know you start with three the first thing you know you got 15 the first thing you know, you got 50 people out there doing something and you will be surprised what power that will give you Amen. so that's my message is uh don't be so glum don't be so defeated don't be so filled with despair these are wonderful times in which to live yeah we have a exciting chance, times we have a chance in our lifetime actually to make a difference for long into the future yeah how many people have lived their whole lives they've been born they lived they died of old age and they never had an opportunity to do mm. something like this so yeah it's risky it's scary but it's also very very uh exciting
Amen. Amen. And there's something I wanted just to add in there. Now, the radio show has gone off, so we're carrying over just a little bit here. And I know your time's pretty precious there. What you were saying about that, you know, we're the ones waiting for it to, to save ourselves, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it comes to mind uh, Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will, that's the desire, the want to, and to do, that's the action of his good pleasure. And, and I think that's exactly where we're going. The You talked about righteousness. Well, the Bible tells us how we get our righteousness. It comes from God. It doesn't come from us because we can tell from us how faulty we are, how sinful and frail and everything and the mistakes and everything else that we do um, that get us to the place we're in like right now. But it's him working in us. And like you said, it's not necessarily, he may do something like that. He may send a bolt of lightning over DC, which would be great. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he normally works through means. When he went, uh, when he wanted to defeat the giant Goliath, what'd he do? He sent a little shepherd boy, didn't he? Yeah. He didn't take out the giant himself. He used the shepherd boy, used means in doing that. Same thing happened all through history. When we see that, especially biblical history, we see him using men. That is the means that he uses. And uh, so I, I appreciate the encouragement and the exhortation because that's what we've got to be busy doing. I want to show this one more time. This is um, um, Mr. Griffin's website, redpilluniversity.org. Now, are there other sites? Because you mentioned Red Pill something else, uh, the expo. Well, yes. Yeah, those, those would be pretty well indexed when you start at the university. But the next one, of course, is redpillexpo.org. Okay. And that's the event that's coming up in August in Des Moines, Iowa. So that'll be very important. And then for the real graduate students that want to climb all the way into the inner core, you want to go to freedomforceinternational.org. So that's all basically the same movement, but there are different layers on the onion, you know, uh, different, different levels of activity, different focuses, um, different requirements, but okay. it's all part of the same movement. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, Mr. Griffin, thank you again for joining us, staying over just a little bit here. And we're going to have all these links up for everybody to see. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, all be right. sure to take to heart what Mr. Griffin's saying. This is a big deal because this is the CBDCs and this control. This is for the whole ball of wax. This is not just a portion of society. This is for the whole thing. This is to control you cradle to grave. And when we say control, we literally mean control, not push you or coerce you in a certain way. It's a literal control that they'll have. And we need to fight back against that. So uh, be sure to go to these sites, check out some of the stuff, and then see how you can become involved locally in your area, the sphere of influence that God's given you. Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.